next Sunday, September 15th, is a date we've been circling for a while as a church community. You know, all of us have hopefully people in our lives that we think we're going to invite to Epic one day. But if, you know, anybody ever live with that one day mentality, like I'll get to the gym one day. I know I'll be a better husband one day. I know that like I'm going to get it down one day. But what we try to do, because we know so many of us live with that one day mentality, which is a great intention, is that we try to bring certain days to become that one day. And so we've been aiming at September 15th being that one day. And you should have uh, invite card in your seat. Just one, okay? We're not going overachiever today. We're just like, hey, invite one person this week. It was awesome. This morning, um, my Uber driver on the way in, she said, where are you going? I was with my youngest son. I said, church. She said, what church? I said, epic church. She said, I love that church. I was like, me too. Um, what, do you lo- like, what do you love about it? The handsome pastor? Like, what's, what, what do you love about it? And she said, well, my sister invited me and my, took my kids and my kids loved it, but now I live a, a little further away. It's like, awesome. I was like, well, we'd love to have you. I just said anytime. I didn't even ask her about the 15th. I was just doing the one day mentality thing. And she said, I will be there next week with my nine-year-old and my six-year-old. So I'm already good. <laughs> I mean, we got started in my person, like even before I walked in the doors today, she's like, I'm there next week. Um, who's coming with you? Who's coming with you? Next week, we'll kick off this series called Bring It Out that you can see on the card there. And I'm so excited about this series. And here's why. So many of us want certain things to be present in our lives. But if you're like me, those things don't always show up in your life. And you're like, what's the deal? And so what I want to do, if you're like me, anybody ever find a gap between what you want to be present and what is present in your life? Anybody besides me? we're going to do a talk next week I'm calling It's Not a Mystery because we think it's random or it's coincidental, but there are actually scriptures talk about that God has woven some principles into the universe that if we will adhere to them, we don't get to control everything, but if we will adhere to them, there will be certain things come out in our lives and the kind of things that don't need to be out in our lives will all of a sudden begin to be absent from our lives. So I'm excited about that. I think it's going to be a helpful series for us and I want us to invite other people in our lives into what God is up to right here at Epic. But for today, we just saw the bumper video for the last time. Uh, It's a nine-week series. So today I want to give the final talk in this paradox series. And we've been saying that a paradox is simply this, a seemingly self-contradictory statement that's actually true. A seemingly self-contradictory statement that is actually true. Will did a great job last weekend if you were here. Anybody here last weekend? Anybody watch it? I wasn't here, but I did watch it. Um, And I'm glad I did watch it because he was kind of bringing some things public that should have stayed in my one-on-one meeting with him. And um, if you weren't here, you should really go back and watch it to know why these people are laughing. Uh, We were in a gathering, and I just pointed out one of our other staff members as being like a go-to person, and Will took that personally. And so you just need to know I have rectified the situation. Um, Because he took it public, I've got to respond publicly. And um, Will is your go-to person. In fact, in fact, every email you send our team now, it only goes to Will. Um, he's he, like, this is my last message to preach. Lindsay's no longer going to be in charge of groups. Brenda's no longer doing video. Jason's not the host team director. Minnie's no longer in charge of finance. Will is the go-to person for everything holistically for Epic Church. And someone that finds him in the lobby better tell him that. He can't even be at church right now because he's having to go do something, I'm sure. Um, But go back and watch that and you'll understand. But it was a great talk on pride and and humility. And today I want to close this series out by talking about a paradox that I don't want to overstate it. I'm not embellishing or exaggerating. If we don't get today's paradox at some point in our lives, I don't know that we will ever be able to become genuine followers of Jesus. So I think it's that weighty. Um, and I, and I want to go ahead and just throw out the paradox for today. Here it is. Surrender is the path to victory. 
Surrender is the path to victory. Even as I say this, even though I've been preparing this, even though I've said it twice already today, there's still something within me, how about you, that says, I want to disagree with that. There's still something in me that's like, Ben, you do not love the act of surrender and do not pretend in front of your church that you love to surrender. There's something within me that's like, ooh, because I have, I mean, to be honest, this will be on the screen. Here's what I used to think was true. Being in control of everything is the path to victory. Anybody struggle with this besides me? No, come on, for real. I just want to know who everybody else, like, no, Ben, I'm not, I don't try to control things. I'm just surrendering to God all day long. For me, I want to call the shots. I want to make the plans. I'm convinced. Tell me if you can resonate with this. I'm convinced that I know what's best for my life. Anybody else? Anybody else want to go a step further with me? Not only do I know what's best for my life, I know what's best for all of your lives. Anybody else? Like, no, God, I'm just not directing my will into my life. I'm directing my will into Shauna's life. I'm for sure directing my will into those little four humans' lives that call me dad. I'm trying to, you know, I want to direct what everybody in this church does. I mean, I just want to control it all. But the reality is that the way of Jesus is filled with paradox. And our paradox, again, for today is surrender is the path to victory. Now, in most spheres of life, surrender is not the path of victory. It is the path to defeat. I know this, right? I grew up watching professional wrestling. I know when you tap out, you lose. Like, I understand that. In fact, as I was looking at definitions, I'll give you a different one in a moment, but one I found for the definition of surrender said this. Surrender means, what does it mean? It means to stop fighting and admit defeat. To stop fighting and admit defeat. You know, when your kids beg you and then they go ask dad and then they come back to you and you're like, I'm going to either do something or I'm just going to give in, right? I'm just going to surrender. And so we get in these situations, uh, but, but that doesn't sound very victorious to me. Stop fighting and admit defeat. But here's the definition I want us to go with. Again, um, on the word surrender, here's the definition that we're going to frame up this talk with. Surrender for our purposes today means this, to yield to the possession or power of another, okay? This is the definition, the working definition, and actually this actually came from a dictionary source also, but to yield to, that's for our purposes, it's not about defeat today, it's to yield to the possession or the power of another. And the reason I'm putting so much weight on this paradox for today is that when you look at history and even all throughout the scriptures, everything comes down to one question. And here's the question. And I mean everything. There are lots of ways to parse out this question. There are lots of ways to give illustrations to this question. There are different versions of this question. But the question that humanity has had from day one until right now in this basement in San Francisco is this question. Will I demand my own way or will I surrender to God's way? Right? A lot of pieces with that. A lot of details you can go after with that. But at the end of the day, when you look at the, at the beginning of Scripture to the end, it's all about a group of people who decide to do things God's way or decide to do things their way. And a lot of times it's people who go back and forth. If you know the journey of Israel, anybody. We're going to follow you. We're all yours. We are going to follow this other God. I think about Elijah, a prophet. He's on Mount Carmel, and he's saying, listen, those of you who are worshiping Baal, here's the deal. Why do you keep wavering between two opinions? If God is God, serve God. But if Baal is God, then serve Baal. Just make your minds up. Is it going to be about your life? I think about Abraham taking Isaac on the mountain to sacrifice him. That is a picture of surrender. Would you agree? Now, some of you are like, Ben, the way my kids behave this weekend, I might think that's a decent idea. All of life comes down to, for everyone, for us as a church, you guys, will we demand our own way or will we surrender and submit to God's way? Will we insist on our way being best or will we just go, no, 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 um, God, your way's best. 
going to surrender to it. It might be agonizing. It is not an easy topic we're covering today. If you get to the heart of it, if you say surrender is easy, I'm going to challenge you on that. It wasn't easy for Jesus. <clears throat> How you feeling now? It's not easy. It's agonizing. But it's best. So what I want to do today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 21 through 27, in your Bibles, on an app, Epic app, everything's there. I want you to listen in on a conversation between Jesus and his disciples, especially between Jesus and Peter. And as you do, let me tell you this. This is one incident from Jesus' life, but it represents the epitome of all conversations we have when we're trying to wrestle with God about this issue of control or surrender, demanding our way or submitting to his. So would you stand with me as I... Read this text, Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 27. This is one incident, but it embodies what this wrestling or struggling of surrendering control is like for all of us. And let me just say this. We're all in the same playing field here. Every one of us has a will for our life. Do you have a will for your life? Yeah. Right? right? I will come step on your toe, and we'll see if your will was for me not to step on your toe. You have a will for your life, and God has a will. And it's not easy, but it's worth Surrendering that to him. Here's the story from Matthew's vantage point. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. He's just telling them over and over. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Anybody scared? Have a seat. Let's figure out this issue around surrender. If you have ever had a true personal encounter with Jesus, you've had a conversation like this. If you've ever had a, a conversation, either two things, you're not being honest or you haven't pressed into who Jesus is and what he wants from your life and for your life. Every one of us will have a conversation like this when we get serious about hearing Jesus's directives and plans and purpose for our lives. And so we don't need to look at Peter and go, what's his thing? Why couldn't he just get on board? All of us struggle with this. Do you remember Jesus struggling with this very issue in the Garden of Gethsemane? Do you remember this? He did surrender. But he's sweating drops of blood. He's asking his buddies, including this guy, oddly enough, to come pray for him in his moment of struggle and weakness. It is an agonizing reality. Peter wanted nothing to do with surrender. And I know without taking a survey today, some of us are in that same boat. 
He wanted nothing to do with surrender. He thought that if Jesus is going to surrender, then he's surrendering to the authorities, the chief priests, uh, the, the religious leaders, the political leaders, the power system, the culture of that day. And, and he's, he's misunderstanding something. He's right that Jesus is living a holy, surrendered life, but Peter could not be more wrong about who Jesus' life is surrendered to. So, We're not being asked to surrender to some power structure, to the president or to the boss or leader of your company or even to the pastor of this church. We're talking about surrender, yes, but not surrender to just whomever. We're talking about a wholly surrendered life before God. Now, it seems like Peter's doing Jesus a favor when he says, I'm going to keep you from dying. Now, if you protected me and kept me from dying, I would not turn around and call you Satan. Right? Like, what gives? All Peter said was, I will not let this happen to you. And Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. Why? Here's why. Because Satan's entire aim has always been to disrupt God's plan for our lives and for his world. Always. He does it in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. He does it in the wilderness, the 40-day journey of fasting that Jesus has. And he's doing it in the spaces in our lives, whether you are aware of it or not. He's wanting you to insist on your way because he knows if you insist on your way, you'll, you'll clutch that and you'll grip it tight and you will not give it up so that you can go God's way. And he knows that the world was designed in a certain way. And if we live out that design, he knows there are going to be things that are going to work according to God's ways. But if we go against it and choose a different path, we're going to obviously not be in line with what God has in store for our lives and the part of the world that each of us gets to affect. And we all get to affect some part of this world. For Peter, he didn't want anything to do with surrender, but what he wanted was for Jesus to surrender to Peter's will. I want to ask you that question. I think you need to be honest with yourself. Is there an area of your life where you're asking this question? Are you asking Jesus to surrender to your will? You're like, I've got a great plan. Will you just sign off on it? Anybody ever been there? You need a co-signer? And you're like, Jesus, you don't have to do any work. Just endorse it, right? You're like, and by the way, would you just give me the Jesus Christ stamp so I don't have to keep asking you? Like, Minnie deals with a lot of paperwork. That's why she's finding this hilarious. I'm like, here's my signature. Just do something with it, right? And we want to come up with a plan and go, hey, would you look at this? Don't change anything. Would you just sign off on it? Any area in your work where you're asking Jesus to surrender to your will, any area in your family, raising your kids, what you have in store for them, whether God has it in store or not, you're like, hey, I'm going to be a great dad. We're going to do this. They're going to major in this. Then they're going to go to grad school and they have to do this, God. Okay. Any area in your relational desires where you're asking Jesus to surrender to your desire. You're like, yeah, I'm going to date somebody who wants nothing to do with you, but bless it. Please. Yeah. Anywhere when it comes to your usage of time or your financial resources where you're going, here's what we're going to do, Jesus, and I need your signature. How about for us as a church? Will we be the kind of church that goes, hey, God, we know what's actually best. You see, God, you're in heaven. Like, we're here on the ground. Like, we're below the ground, God. We know what's best for our church, and we know what's best for our city. Will you just sign off on it? Or will we be the kind of church that goes, God, we don't know everything. Here's what seems to be the thing that you're doing in this season of our church. If it's not, redirect us. If it is, let's go. 
There's a scripture that you need to be acquainted with and you need to embrace. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Come on, man. Lean not on your own understanding. It depends on your translation here. In all your ways, submit to him as the NIV, and he will make your path straight. This is the epitome of surrender. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You will not surrender all your life if you do not trust God with all your heart. You won't. He's not worthy of it. If you can't trust him with your heart, you're not going to surrender your life. Lean not on your own understanding. The picture I like is not so much, you know, not leaning on your own understanding. Think about this. I'm pushing back from my way. I'm pushing back from my understanding. I'm pushing back from what I believe has to be the way my future goes and her future goes and our family's future and our church's future and my job's future. I'm going to push back from that. Instead, I'm going to submit all my ways to him. Everybody does know that the vision statement at Epic Church doesn't say this. It does not say, if you've been to our website, and I just want to make sure that no one, like somebody that has, there's people in this room that have power to change it while I'm speaking, but don't. It does not say the vision of Epic Church is to orient 87.3% of our lives around Jesus. What does it say? We want to orient our entire, like, but Ben, really, like entire, like entire with an asterisk? Like entire life, submit all your ways to him and he will make your path straight. The reason we keep control of our lives is because we think we can direct our own path. And we think our path is better. And God's going, hey, why why don't you trust me? I actually know everything. I have understanding that you don't have. I I know what your future is supposed to be that you don't yet know. And I want to direct your path towards that future. Do you want in on that? And in Peter's response, you see the exact opposite of surrender. He says to Jesus, never Lord. I mean, you talk about uh, uh, like two words that don't go together. Anybody? Essentially what he's saying is this. Jesus, we're not going to do it your way. Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. Jesus, you're the boss, but nah, nah, nah. We're not doing that. This shall never happen to you. I know the plan and this is not the plan. I've got a better idea. I don't know about you, but I want to kind of hate on Peter, but the reality is there's spaces in my life where this happens. Right? I think, oh, I've got the perfect next staff member to hire. And I'm like, God, we're going to do this. He's like, no, we're not. That person needs to be at a different church, and you need somebody different at yours. <laughs> it's none of you that are here. You don't, like, there's not a dismissal thing. I know Will took stuff public last week. I'm not taking it public. I'll tell you in private before we tell the whole church. Many of you are safe. <laughs> He's just like, never, Lord. Mm-mm. There are also, however, so many examples of great stories of surrender. I want to give you my favorite surrender response in the scriptures. It's from the mother of Jesus. In Luke 1, she's told by the angel that your plans are about to be disrupted. And all of us love disrupted plans, don't we? Everybody, like, doesn't everything go according to exactly how you have it planned? Some of you are like, Ben, I don't even plan anymore because I I think that's bad too. She understands her plans are going to be disrupted. It's not going to go exactly how her and Joseph were assuming and dreaming that it was going to go. Things are going to be different. But when you get to verse 38 of Luke chapter 1, she has this incredible response. She simply says this. This is surrender, by the way. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Guys, that's surrender. When God says, Ben, I'm not going to do the thing that you wanted me to do or even thought I was going to do. I'm going to do something different in your family. I'm going to do something different with your 13-year-old son. I know you think you should go to that school. I'm going to do something different, and I have to go, okay. He may want to do something different in your vocation. He may want to do something different in your dating relationship. He may want to do something different with your financial provision. He may want it to be different, and you have to decide, and I have to decide, are we going to be the Lord's servant, or are we going to be the Lord's servants with conditions? 
by the way, which makes us not his servants at all. This is real to me because I face this battle every day. There's my will, and then you email me and tell me your will, and I'm like, oh, God, and let's not go their will. And then there's God's will, and sometimes it's the same as yours, sometimes it's the same as mine, but sometimes it's different from both of ours. Here's a great question. Are you writing God's story or letting him write your story? Here's the image I want you to have in mind. I want you to think about your life being a movie and God being the director of that movie and God is handing you a script. And if you're anything like me, you probably have a highlighter ready and every color of ink prepared to red line and green line and blue line and highlight the parts that you like and and get rid of the parts you don't like. Anybody ever do that with a script God gives you for your life? Like, God, let me edit it, right? You're like, God, that introduction, amazing. Yes, keep it. Um, God, that second act where I have to suffer and go through trial, that's not going to work. And God's like, but listen, to have a good movie or to have a good life, you need some tension. You're like, no, we're not going to do tension. We're not going to do tension. And we're just editing ourselves all the time. Think about this. How many of you are uh, flying somewhere this week on an airplane? Anybody, like, raise your hands high. I just want to see. Um, Keep them high. Okay, so you know when you go to an airport, obviously, you need to make sure that the, the, the jetway you're walking down is headed to the destination that you have a ticket to go to. Everybody has that, right? Just, just a second. You'll hear, like, if you hear a different city, you need to check yourself before you end up somewhere else. What I want you to imagine as we think about surrendering to God's will or controlling and demanding our own life, I want you to think about kind of God's got this airport, okay? And you show up. And he's telling you to board a plane, but you want to make sure it's going to the chosen destination you have in mind before you board it. Anybody? So listen, this is just for a spiritual example. This is not hating on anyone's town that you're from or where you're watching online right now. So you get there, and God's like, board this plane, and it says Orlando. And now how many of you, like for real, we just want to see the Disney and Universal fanatics. How many of you, like, talk loud, like, let me hear you. You're like, I'm on board that plane. Anybody? Like, how many of you are like, no? No, I'm no. Or let's say God's saying, hey, board this plane. You look up and it says, it's the middle of December, by the way, it says Des Moines. (laughs) Don't get offended if you're from there. It's just an example. You're like, no, we're not boarding that one. They have a winter storm going on. I don't have any thermal underwear. Like we're not doing Des Moines. But then the next one, God's like, hey, come board this one. And it says Maui. Now, spiritually, think about this. And not that paradise, though, like this, it's a different. When it says Maui, here's, just think about whatever that represents in your life. When it says Maui, we board it, and then we think so highly of ourselves for being in line with God's plans. Do we not? Do we not? Yeah. Guys, there are some things that God asked me to do that I am so jazzed about. I'm like, don't even finish the sentence. Yes. Anybody? There are other things, you guys, that God asks of me, and I want to negotiate. I want to hand it back. I want to ask him to send you there. Are you with me? But he says, no, Ben, listen, am I a a captain that you can trust, or are you only going to jump on board if it's going somewhere that you've already determined is a place you want to go that's in your will? Yet I choose Maui, and I'm like, look at me. I'm so faithful to follow Jesus to Maui. By the way, I think you can follow Jesus there, but he may take you somewhere else. Are you on board because of who it is, or are you only on board because of where it is? 
When God calls me to apologize to people that I don't want to apologize to, that's Des Moines for me. Right? When I have to go make a big ask of someone that I'm a little bit intimidated by, ooh, that's not Maui. Right? What about for you? God's story, your story. Who's the director? Who's writing the script? Who's the editor? Jesus says to, say, to Peter, he call, he's like, get behind me, Satan. Why does he do that? Because Satan wants to disrupt his life. He says, you, you only have merely human concerns in your mind. What are merely human concerns? Merely human concerns are making sure you get an easy life, you get pleasure, you get comfort, you get power, and you get control, right? He says, but you don't have in mind the concerns of God. What are the concerns of God? The concerns of God, are, of God are that we live into his way and that we invite others to live into his way and he's given us a mission and he wants us to accomplish the mission as we sang early, whatever it costs me. Whatever it costs me. Why? Because he knows what's best. He's determined that he can, he can be trusted. Now the greatest paradox maybe um, that, that it shows up in the scripture is in verse 25. It says, whoever wants to save his life will what? That's a paradox, right? What do you mean whoever wants to get this in the end has to do this in the beginning? But he says whoever wants to have this in the end, whoever wants to save their life or whoever loses it in the beginning, they'll, in the end they're going to what? They're going to find it. They're going to find it. But Peter tries to talk Jesus out of God's will and talk Jesus into Peter's will. Here's a question for you. Are you surrounding yourself with people who will encourage you to surrender to God's will or your will or their will? If you're familiar with the wisdom table language we use here at Epic, it's all about we need to build a personal board of directors for our lives. That sermon can be seen, and I'm writing a lot about it right now, that hopefully in a book that will be produced before 2030. But this wisdom, if you think, I know this is like, this is, if you think about a wisdom table, who are the people seated at your wisdom table? Are they people who are encouraging you to surrender to your own will, to their will, or to God's will? And if you need to replace the people who are there because they really want you to do your thing or they only want you to do their thing, they're going to cause you, if you take that wisdom that is actually foolishness, they will cause you to miss out on what God created you to get in on. I don't want you to do that. This paradox from Jesus, he doesn't say, just deny yourself. He doesn't just say, deny yourself for no reason. He doesn't say, surrender to no one. He says in verse 25, if you will lose your life, big fat parentheses, for me. For me. Guys, you're not just throwing your life away. You're handing your life into the good hands of the ones who created you. Psalm 139, he knit you together in your mother's womb. You're not just going, okay, I'm just gonna throw my life away. No, 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 you're not throwing your life away. You're getting a better life as you hand your life into his hands. C.S. Lewis, writing about surrender, says this in Mere Christianity. He says, give up yourself and you will find your real self. Paradox. Lose your life and you will save it. Paradox. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day, and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ. Oh yeah. And you will find him and with him everything else thrown in. 
You know why Peter couldn't talk Jesus out of surrendering? Because Jesus knew the paradox long before we learned it on September the 8th, 2019. He knew, he knew that surrender was a path to victory, and he knew that death was the path to resurrection. You know what we want? We love victory, don't we? We love resurrection. Anybody lost a dating relationship and want some resurrection in your life? We love resurrection. Anybody just found out you lost out on the promotion, but you heard now we've got some more funding. Maybe that thing's coming back to life. Anybody love resurrection? You know what we love? We love resurrection. We love victory, but we want to know when it comes to victory, is there a detour around surrender that still gets me to victory? Anybody besides me would be honest enough? Anybody want resurrection, but want to travel the long way around the thing called death? There is no resurrection without death. There is no victory without surrender. You will have to go through that to get to what it is that you were created for. And Jesus knows that. And it's interesting to me that Peter disregards the resurrection prophecy Jesus gives. He's like, I'll be killed, I'll be killed, I'll be killed, but then I'll be raised from the dead. Peter's like, never. Um, Peter, resurrection's gonna be awesome. But he knew what we know. It demands a death. It demands a death. The God we're surrendering to is the God who takes responsibility for our lives. But should you not surrender your life to God, the responsibility will be all yours. And let me tell you what I see all the time that you just can't be intellectually honest and do. Here it is. You can't refuse to surrender to God and then blame what happens in your life on God. I see this so much. I don't want to do it God's way. Then we get to the end and we're going, how could you? He's like, that's on you. That's on, how could I? I was here. I didn't leave. I didn't walk out on you. I didn't leave the path that I had for your life. You walked off the path. And if you want to live your thing, you want to demand your own future, fine. He gives us a lot of choice, but you will have to live whatever that gives you. Does he know what's best for you or do you? Does he know what's best for me or do I? And when you see the cross, I mean, you're thinking Jesus is surrendering to all these power structures. But that, guys, that's not what's happening at all. Let me give you a snippet of his conversation with Pontius Pilate, who seemed to be the one in control. Listen to this. John 19, 10 and 11. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize, listen to this, I have power either to free you or to crucify you. Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given you from above. He wasn't surrendering to the evil, wicked men. He wasn't surrendering to the, 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 the structure uh, of power. He wasn't giving up to uh, politicians. He was surrendering to God. He was surrendering, but he was not surrendering to any of those things. And we're not asking any of ourselves today to surrender to those things in our world. We're saying, will we surrender to the God who's made a way for us? When you get to the scriptures, really, Paul writing about the cross, he would say things like this, Jesus loved us and he gave himself up for us. Guys, it does not say he loved us and he was forced into death. He loved us and he was coerced by those wicked people and by the establishment that he had to die on the cross. He loved us and gave himself up for us. Is there any greater paradox than the cross? It had only meant one thing for all of history. Only one thing, the end, brutal, cruel finish of someone's life. David Crowder, who's a songwriter, he writes this lyric and says, the cross meant to kill, that's my victory. The cross intended to kill, that's my victory. I wanna ask you this question. 
if you cannot surrender your present life to Jesus, how will you have eternal life with Jesus? We think of these as two separate things. I love what author Dallas Willard says. He says, our eternal life will just be a continuation of our earthly life. Eternal life's not a wait. There's some things that will go away that we have now, and there's some things that will come that we don't have today. How will you have eternal life with Jesus if you've not ever and never planned to surrender the only life you currently have? What we have to know is this, your victory is on the other side of your surrender. My victory, my resurrection, it's on the other side of my death and surrender. Are you and I willing to walk that path? Is it worth enough to us? Is it that valuable to us? The good news that you can know today is this, it took Peter quite a while to get there. He didn't get the surrender thing down overnight, and most of us won't either. Or if we do get it down, tomorrow we'll struggle with it again, won't we? Peter is still, after this point, he's still the guy that when they came to arrest Jesus, he's the one who cut off the ear of the high priest servant. Not exactly a life surrendered. Everybody? That's a little bit of control. He's like, so give yourself grace. I'm going to end by asking you this question. I really want you to think about it. What in your life are you struggling to surrender to God? What in your life are you currently, in this season, not where you were, not where you will be, what are you currently struggling to surrender to God. As the light's lower and the band comes up, I'm gonna just lead you in a posture that I think could be helpful as we try to embrace a surrendered life. If you would, would you just take your two hands and just bring them close to your body right in front of you, just like this? Let me just look down at your hands. And in your hands, I want you to think about your hands representing you holding on to those things that are hardest for you to surrender. We might have some overlapping things, but there could be a variety of things based on who's in this room. For some of you, it's just the future in general. For some of you, you want to control your kids' lives in the future. For some of you, you just started a nonprofit or a business and you want to control it. For, for me, I want to control the, the way Epic Church goes and grows in the future. It could be a relational thing you want to control. Some of you want and wish you had control fully of your health. Uh, others of you have habits or addictions and you, just, you, you know they keep leading you to a bad place, but you, you just know, don't know that you can surrender them to God. And I love this posture right now. It's, just, it's ours. So like we're holding it close to our bodies. It's, it, it is ours. We, we have a grip on it. Now I want you to watch this. If you're willing to, to just make this motion as a heart intention to God. Right here, guys. I want to surrender this, God, to you. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. There's something about even doing this with our bodies, I think, that informs our wills, even though it's not so easy. God, I want to go from here. I'm holding it tight. I want, to, I want to lift it up to you. And for some of you today, here's what I believe. It's not a specific, just one thing. It's like your entire life. And I wonder today at this 12 o'clock gathering, if there's someone here, maybe a number of people here who know that this is where your whole life has been so far. It's been right here up against you. It's in your grasp. It's in your grip. It's in your control. I wonder today, it won't be everything you need to say to Jesus, but I wonder if it would start the conversation by you just saying, Jesus, today. I want to embrace the paradox of surrender, so, so here you go. And guys, right here, it's just Jesus. This is my life. If that's you today, I want to invite you just to respond in a way that we can help you walk that surrendered life path. 
that's you, I, I just want you to actually text a word. I want you to text the word begin to this number, 313131. We front loaded that response. So there's a video for me. There's some resources that will just come and help you understand what it looks like to live your life for the first time ever God's way. Is that anybody here? Just text that word begin to 313131. If you don't have a phone, you can write it on a card. You can catch us in the lobby. What do you need to surrender, you guys? And, and hey, just so we know, if you do this today, <laughs> probably by two o'clock, you're gonna have to do it again today. But what if we woke up in the morning and just said, hey, tomorrow, God, like my hands are right here, literally tomorrow. I wanna be, my chair time tomorrow, 5.30, here's what I want. Okay, God, here's all this on my plate. I've got a conflict with this person. I've got too much to do this week. God, I'm trying to find a message for October, whatever. God, I, I wanna surrender it to you. I wanna ask you to stand as we respond. I wanna show you one more thing with, with my hands here. You guys, I know that it's hard to fully surrender to someone besides ourselves because we just don't know if it's out of our control, what if it's out of control? But I want to remind you or to introduce you to the one that we're surrendering to. Scriptures teach us that our Father in heaven had a one and only son right here. You with me? Hands close by. He's got one son. He's like, I love this son. He is spotless. He is perfect. But the only way those people, the only way that wave of humanity will know life is if I, if I send my son and if I offer him. So looking towards us, do you know what he did? Here you go. How dare we think that we can't trust this one? Romans 8, 31 and 32, if God is for us, who can be against us? If he did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all, how will he not along with him therefore give us all things? We're not surrendering to a tyrant. We're surrendering to a loving father who's already gone all in on us. He didn't hold back, did he? Full extension. You can trust this one. We can surrender to this one even as agonizing as it will be for some of us. What are you holding on to tightly? What do you need to loosen your grip on? Into his hands. We're gonna sing about that now as we respond.